Uh, we want you to feel comfortable if at any point you're like, huh, he's talking too long. I'm getting hungry. I'm going to go get another donut. Go ahead and do that. You're not going to bother us. You're not going to bother me. Uh, we want you to feel comfortable. If you want to go get a fill up on coffee or tea or go use the restroom or stand in the back or do burpees back there to stay awake, you are welcome here. This is your living room. We want you to feel like family uh, here. And again, to all of you moms, uh, all kidding aside, unbelievably grateful uh, for you. Uh, several uh, women in my life mother me, uh, and I'm better because of it. Um, I'm sure some of you men can probably say the same, uh, that you would not be as good of a person as you are without uh, some kind of female uh, inserting herself into your life and, and caring about you and encouraging you and, and pouring into you. So uh, I'm really, really grateful. Uh, I sent a uh, text message uh, to my fourth grade teacher, uh, Mrs. Dargatz, uh, this morning, who was one of the only teachers who really believed in me uh, and, and just told her she was like a mother figure uh, to me, which she, A, appreciated, and B, was a little offended um, because that means she's older. Um, so uh, we, we try to just camp out on the positive. Um, <laughs> So we've been in this series in the book of 1 John. We contemplate, Alex and I talked about maybe doing something different for Mother's Day and kind of uh, uh, taking a U-turn away from 1 John and doing something different. We decided to stick with it. Uh, and I'm really glad that we did because this morning's passage, uh, as much as we want to highlight and talk about moms and take your pictures and, and, and give you fun stuff and write uh, fun cards to you, it, it's really this idea about love. And this morning's passage really hits that in a very, very powerful way. If you've missed any of our messages, you can catch those both on our app, uh, on, also on our website and catch up. Um, and it's also got the discussion questions. So if you'd like to do a study by yourself or with someone else, those are all there. Um, but this morning's passage, if you have your Bibles, is in uh, 1 John chapter 3. And uh, if you're using one of our Bibles in front of you, uh, it is NIV, and it will be on page 863. We're also going to be uh, using the English Standard Version, which will be on the screen. A little bit of a different wording, but uh, I really like the way that it describes uh, our passage this morning. So let's just jump into things and see where God might uh, choose to take us. This is what he says. See. Some versions will say behold. We don't use behold too often. Uh, maybe uh, if, if you're a husband and, and you'd like to walk in and have your children say, behold, my father is home, uh, you can try that, but we don't use that very often. Ethan, give that a shot later. Uh, so see or behold what kind of love the father has given unto us. See, behold, pay attention of the love of the Father has given unto us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Today, we're talking about love. And what I'm going to try and do is help you understand that we cannot describe the love of the Father, the, the God of all creation that he has for us. It's not possible. The scriptures describe that. It tells us that we can't even put into words how much God loves us. 
as a father. And so we'll shift it from a Mother's Day to just this parental idea that we are God's children. Many of you know this. We're going to go through some stats. We don't do this often, but uh, I was just kind of a nerd with numbers this week. And so I, I want to describe some of these things. How many of you don't know what Twitter is? Bill, we love you. Okay. Okay. Some of you don't know what Twitter is. It's an online social networking website and kind of a micro uh, blogging service, if you would, that allows um, users to post and read text messages and, and pictures, et cetera, up to only 140 characters. Here's what's interesting about this. Can you guess how many active registered users there are that use Twitter? Okay, I'll tell you. There are 695,750,000 active registered users that use Twitter. Raise your hand if you think that's a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, California, which is an interesting state, California has 38 million people in it. Twitter accumulates 58 million tweets per day. 58 million things that somebody wants to say that they think is important. <laughs> Facebook, that's the largest of the social network. It was founded in February of 2004. In 2008, Facebook had 100 million users. As of March 2013, it had 1.11 billion users. Just to give you a little bit of context, the entire place known as China has 1.2 billion people. That's a lot. India has 1.3 billion. Today, the number of active Facebook users is 1,754,000,000 active Facebook users. That's quite a few people. 48% of people ages 18 to 34 check their Facebook immediately when they wake up. Raise your hand if you've done that. Let's, this is Honest Abe right now, right? You, you have woken up. Thank you, Robert, for your honesty. You have woken up, you've grabbed your phone, and you've checked Facebook. Raise your hand. Come on. The Lord's watching. Okay? Good. I saw a few more hands go up. Good. Fake Facebook profiles. We talk about fake news, fake profiles. There are 81 million fake Facebook profiles. That is disturbing and scary. Now let's talk about Instagram. Instagram is another online social network. It was founded in 2010. 800 million people actively use Instagram. How many of you have an Instagram account? Raise your hand. Awesome. Okay. Up to date, 40 billion photos have been shared. How many of those do you think are interesting? <laughs> number one, uh, food, believe it or not. This is where I kind of nerded out. Number one food that is uh, posted on Instagram is what? Pizza. Who said pizza? Pizza is the number one. Number one. So we talked about tweets per day. Now let me tell you how many likes there are. So the way that Instagram works is Alex posts a selfie of himself getting ready in the morning because he loves his hair, and he posts it, and then 
80 people like it. And so he's checking it throughout the day going, ooh, now I'm up to 82. Oh, I'm up to 90. And he's checking his likes. There are 4.2 billion likes every day. That's a lot of likes. That's a, that's a lot of people liking something. 68% of Instagram users are women. Think about that. 68% of Instagram users are women. The most frequent hashtags are, this, is, this all plays into this morning's sermon, I promise. <laughs> or we could just keep going on with like nerdy stats. The most frequent hashtags is follow me, instagood, cute, me, love. When we hear that at first glance, we tend to just move right on by. Some of you have used those hashtags. Alex has used that. Cute. Here's me getting ready. Hashtag cute. So the question is, you might be wondering, especially if you're brand new here, or someone brought you, why, why are we talking about this? This is a little weird. Why do literally billions of people in a given day, in a given moment, spend literally thousands and thousands of hours on these social networks every year, every month, trying to connect with each other? How is it that this electronic phenomena has literally taken root and has exploded into a wild, wildfire? How has that happened? What's the attraction? Why do this? Why do so many people work so hard to self-promote? Heck, we've asked you to do that this morning. Take your picture and then hashtag we are Rock Creek. We're guilty. So why do we do that? Why is it that our society has gotten so caught up into that? And I believe one of the primary reasons for the remarkable success of social media is because we as human beings, as human fallen individuals in creation, we're looking for love and acceptance and acknowledgement and praise anywhere where we can get it. Anywhere that it's even remotely possible, that's what we're looking for. Because we believe we're worth listening to. We believe that what we post is worth reading. In fact, some of you, I won't ask you to raise hands anymore, some of you at times have been offended by how few likes you have. You were pretty witty in what you posted or what you tweeted, and no one's liking it. And so your feelings have gotten hurt. There's a new study that's going on in the teen culture, and really, this is what's crazy. It's even moving away from the teens. It's now to the even younger generation that aren't even teenagers yet, and they're studying depression based on the few acknowledgments from what they post on social media. There's depression kicking in that if you post a picture of your pizza that you ate for dinner and no one likes it, you feel bad. We tend to laugh at that, but it's real. That's really happening today. Others should know me because I'm important. I'm, in, I'm, I'm somebody. I get fulfillment of others perpetually affirming my life and what I'm doing day in and day out, bolstering my self-esteem and my confidence or tearing it down. 
by whatever I tweet or post. We have a need, every single one of us. It's easy for some of you who don't use the social media to point fingers at social media. But here's the reality so that we're all on the same ship. We all have a need. We all have a need to be addressed, to be liked, to be affirmed, to be noticed, to have people want to be around you, to listen to what you have to say. We all have that. We're all on the same ship. Universally, people want to be known by others. We want others to think well of us. We want other people to be our friends. We want to be loved even if we're not quick to love other people. People that are addicted, it's now an addiction, uh, classified scientifically as an addiction, social media addiction. There's an addiction of wanting to feel important. And that is coming at the hands of this and a keyboard. How I feel affirmed. How someone thinks well of me. It's a scary time. But it's also one for us to take a look in the mirror. Here's what's interesting. If we look at the last verse of chapter 2, we're going to put this on the screen. Last verse of chapter 2 says this. Boom. And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. We can read that and just move on pretty quickly and move on to chapter 3. But there's unbelievable power in just this little verse at the end. John has explained that God himself, the God of all creation, who creates everything around us, who allows hail to destroy my tulips. Anybody else have their flowers destroyed yesterday? Okay bunch of us women. <laughs> John has explained how this God has given birth to us and we are his children. Now, this is going to be important as we follow along. We, those who follow Jesus Christ, we are his children because we have been born of God. Because he has caused us to be brought forth. Because the spirit of God has worked in us so that we can say we are born of him. Now there are two English words that are closely connected with this passage and where we're going in chapter 3. So keep following with me. The meanings of these two words are very closely connected, but unbelievably different. You will understand this academically. You will also understand this very personally. Here are the two words, paternity and fatherhood. Paternity and fatherhood. Paternity describes a relationship of responsibility for the physical existence of a son or daughter. Some of you sadly have this experience where your father or your mother was non-existent in your life. They are your paternal parents. They participated in forming you. In the biblical times, these two words, paternity and fatherhood, were, were tied very, very close together. 
Because we tend to think that our times are worse than what used to be. And the reality of what was going on in biblical times is even worse. People were having kids left and right. And you might know this story, putting them in baskets and sending them down the river. They were paternal parents. They were a paternal father, but completely uninvolved in that child's life. Sadly, some of you have that experience. And I just want to say to you, if that is you with your father or your mother, I am sorry for that experience. There's another word that was used in biblical times. It's what we use even today, and that is fatherhood. And even in biblical times, it was used to describe an intimate, loving, continual relationship day in and day out where the father continues to grow in a relationship with his son or his daughter. What's interesting to note about this is many of those who took on the role, not of paternal, but fatherhood, had nothing to do with their physical existence, but took on the role of fatherhood loved, cherished, groomed, taught, healed wounds, loved these children. Some of you have a, have a mother or a father figure in your life. They didn't have anything to do with your existence. But for all intents and purposes, they are your father. They are your mother. Sandy and I had nothing to do with the creation of Luke and Seth. We didn't create them. We were called three weeks before they were born and met with their birth mother and asked at a breakfast, will you please um, be my boy, the boy's parents? And through tears, we said, Absolutely. And Sandy, I had to stay outside. I don't know why they keep the man outside, but I had to stay outside in the hallway on my tippy toes because super, super tall window. And I, I could see the kind of operation going on. And I, and I saw Luke born first. And if you ask him, he'll tell you 22 minutes older than his brother. And Luke was taken from the womb and immediately put into Sandy's arms. And immediately she had nothing to do with the paternal existence of Luke or Seth, but she was mom. And I was dad. And when we start to unpack scripture, we're going to understand this a little bit. Because in the sense of paternity, all of mankind, every woman, child, and man that exists on this earth is considered a child of God. Why? Because he made them. He is the paternal creator of the creation. Every single one of them. But in the sense of fatherhood... Men and women are only children of God when God makes his gracious approach to you first and then you respond in faith. And what comes with that response is what the scriptures describe as an unbelievable, undescribable gift. And that's his love. We, those of us who have grown up in the church, we tend to, we've heard for probably all of our lives, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, the Bible says so. Oh, sweet one, God loves you. And we tend to hear that, and unfortunately, we start to become a little bit calloused to the fact that God loves you. Does he love me as a paternal because he created me? 
Or does he love me because he's my father? He's my father figure. He is investing in me. He's, he's growing me. He's counseling me. Which is it? Like, tell me even about this love. And the reality is here, John is completely overwhelmed with wonder by the fact that sinners, the boys and I talked about sin this morning. I had a little family devotional. Didn't exactly go smoothly, rarely does, um, where I ask a bunch of questions and, and they're talking about something at school or breakfast or lunch and I'm really trying to talk about salvation and sin and redemption and they're just not getting it. But they responded with a few things. I, I finally got at them like, what's a sin? And Seth's like, if I punch someone. Okay, cool. Well, we're getting there. And then if I call him stupid, okay, yeah, we're, we're absolutely getting there. And we, we just have to kind of work towards sin to kind of understand this. And John is so overwhelmed. Not that God loves us, but he loves us while we're broken. That he loves you while you don't deserve it. While he loves you when you finish last. That this God of all creation loves you. And that by divine grace, we become God's children, not only through creation, but through the loving arms of a father. I want to teach you two words uh, that, that are directly applied to this passage so that you, we can understand this a little bit further. John uses one word, see, or behold. It's idit. Can you just say that? Super easy. Idit. Idit. Okay. Super easy. It's both a command and an exclamation. John is writing as emphatically as he possibly can. Stop what you're doing. Look, see, behold, pay attention to how much God loves you. You have to understand this. Stop whatever you're doing. Behold, see how much the Father loves you. And that's as best as he can do is see. Edith. And then he uses another word to describe how great. This is the best part. Can you guys say patapas? Patapas. Okay, this is a Greek word that describes how great, but the original listeners of this letter would have taken notice. Why would this have stood out? Why would this have been so important? And why is it important for us today on May 13, 2018? Why is it important for us to even look at that single word in scripture? And it's important because this word was very seldom used and there's no parallel for it in the English language. <coughs> There is absolutely no phrase that is used to describe how great. That's the best we can do when describing the love of God for you. John's way of saying, I walked with the man. I slept with him in campouts. I went fishing with him. I listened to his sermons. I watched him teach. I watched him get crucified. I watched him raise from the dead. And I can't even put into words how much he loves you. That's what John's saying. That you might be called a child of God. Not through responsibility of creation, but of choice. 
There's a New Testament professor, D. Edmund Hebert. He wrote this. The adjective rendered what manner or how great occurs only seven times in the New Testament and implies a reaction of astonishment and usually admiration upon viewing some person or thing. The expression conveys both a qualitative and quantitative force. In other words, what glorious, measureless love. I cannot put it into words how much this God of all creation loves you. And I don't know, maybe you're here and it's been quite a while since you've been told I love you. Whether you've heard it from the Lord or you've heard it from a loved one or you've heard it from your kids or you've heard it from a spouse or a friend, I just want to say to you, I love you. On behalf of God, I say this to you. I love you. This is God speaking to you. You are loved. Doesn't matter how far you are away from God. Doesn't matter what you did today. Doesn't matter what you did last night. God loves you. Is there a place where you have to confront your life? Absolutely, but love comes first. God loves you. The scriptures say that he showed us this by what? He sent his son into the world to die for the sins of the world. This is how he shows his love. There is no other way. People say, well, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? There was no other way that God could show you love other than sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sins. There was no other way. Nothing else could be adequate enough. It cost him everything. But he loves you. And this God, this love that we find it impossible to articulate, well, what does love really mean? This language is utterly foreign to normal understanding and experience. It's a beautiful mystery, which is why John goes on to say, the world's not going to recognize you. The world isn't going to understand you. He goes on to say, it didn't even understand Jesus. These people waited forever for the Messiah, and the Messiah was standing right before their eyes, and they sent him to the cross. They didn't even realize what was standing before them. They didn't realize the love that was standing right there before them. And friends, there are going to be moments where the world around you is not going to understand you, is not going to understand why you go to church or why you read your Bible or why you don't go to a party or why you don't participate in certain things. You're going to be frowned upon. You're going to be looked at. The world is not going to understand you. It did not even understand him. But there's something remarkable that comes with this love. I want to read for you Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. It'll be on the screen as well. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Friends, are you looking for peace? Is peace something that you long for? It's, I do, let alone in my own personal world, in the world that we live in. I'm, I just, I would love peace. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. The minute you start thinking too highly of yourself, the minute you start thinking, I'm pretty good, the minute you start thinking, I got this Christian thing down pretty well, would you please go back to this verse? 
Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. And we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. You guys ever run into problems or trials? Maybe even on the way here? Maybe while you've been seated here? But when you run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope, this is what we preach every single Sunday, this hope will not lead to disappointment. That's why we have it on the wall. Hope is all we have, that Jesus is who he says he is. And then this is the best part. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. Alex talked about this a couple weeks ago, just this beautiful promise that he comes. He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Have you been utterly helpless? I have. I've cried myself to sleep in prayer. I've walked around looking for hope. That's what I've done. Have you been there? Have you, have you been utterly helpless? Even if you don't remember being utterly helpless, the Bible says that while you were, Christ came and died for you. That Christ came to love you, to encourage you, to help you. You know what's interesting? I, I've been thinking a lot about this the past couple weeks leading up to this morning. We go to a lot of things, as many of you do, to your kids' events, sporting events, um, theater events, choir events, chess club, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever, whatever you do for your kids. Um, it's amazing how many things are even in the school. Uh, they, it seems like they have an event for everything. If someone's going to read a poem, it's a huge event. Um, <laughs> which is kind of sweet after the first 10. And then as a parent, you're just a little annoyed uh, that you gotta go. Anyway, that's my soapbox. Um, and it's one thing, think back to your parents, think back to the sport that you played, for you to go and you win it all, you're the best. You hit the game winning shot, you hit the home run. You scored the touchdown. You won the chess competition. You got the lead role in the play. Like, you're the bomb. You're everything. You are the best of the best of the best. And your parents are up there. They're cheering like crazy. Man, they're popping confetti and, and holding banners and being obnoxious. And they don't miss anything for you. And then there's a lot of us who aren't the best at everything. We're not the best singer or the best actor. We didn't get a, a role in the fourth grade play, or we didn't get picked to do the talent show. We didn't get uh, a, a good job. We got turned down by the university. We sat on the bench the whole game and never got in. 
And there's that one parent who's sitting up in the stands for that kid. And they're standing and they're cheering and they're saying, that's my son. That's my daughter. And I want the whole world to know, yes, the one that never saw playing time, the one that sucks, that's my kid. And I am so proud of them. I, I want the whole world to know that's my kid. And friends, that is exactly what Christ does for us. Because we are the worst. We are the sinners. We didn't get picked for kickball. We lost again at tag. No one wants anything to do with us. And yet our God, our, our paternal father and our fatherhood figure stands up because he knows us and says to the whole world with this cross, this is his megaphone to the world. With this cross, he says, I want the whole world to know I am dying, not for the great. I'm dying for the worst of the worst. I'm dying for everyone. They are my child. I will do anything for them. And the Father knows you. The Lord Jesus gave himself for us. The Spirit of God has granted us new life and lives within us. So if you need a real friend, if you need a real follower, if you really need someone who's going to believe in you and wait on your every word and your every piece of pizza and take an interest in every single thing that you do every minute of your day and is going to like every single one of your tweets, even in spite of who you are, the Lord Jesus will friend you. The Lord Jesus will follow you. The love of the Father will take you to that next place. He is that friend that the scriptures describe as closer than a brother. And a father who has gone even further by loving us to such a degree that he saves us from our sins by the means of the death of Jesus. It's incredible to be a mom. It's incredible to be a dad. Both are absolutely exhausting. an incredible responsibility but to be loved by another unconditionally through your good times and your bad times through your ups and downs you have a good hair day and a bad hair day to experience that love is beyond our wildest imagination beyond what John says we can't even describe so if God is for us, what difference does that make? It may be true that the world doesn't know us as the scriptures describe. In fact, it may be true that the world is against you. But God is for you. God is your biggest cheerleader. God believes in you when no one else does. God protects you. God provides for you. God is that, that fatherhood figure 
when our earthly flesh let each other down. We do. I let my kids down all the time. Constantly saying I'm sorry for something. That's a good practice, but I want them to realize they have a fatherhood in heaven that is so great, so bigger than me, so better than me, that I can't even describe it to them. And so we'll end with this scripture again. See, behold, what kind of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't even know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him. The Bible says we will get a new body. For some of you, that is great praise. You also get a brand new name. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he, Jesus Christ, is pure. And may that be our charge going forward today. To rest in this idea of God's love. This deep, deep love of a father. And that that would make a difference in our lives. That we would respond accordingly. So if your mom's still with you today, make a call if you haven't already. Send a text. Send flowers. If it's painful, ask God to give you the heart of forgiveness. Uh, for those of you who mourn loss, uh, we mourn with you. Um, and our, again, as we open by saying, our hope is that the love of God, this Father, uh, is sufficient for you today. So let's pray together.